are, however you happen to be listening, we are so glad you've chosen to tune in to the final DLC of 2014. DLC, your downloadable commentary for the week. DLC delivered the way it's meant to be, completely free. And that's thanks to our sponsor this week, Linda. Oh, Linda. They made that possible, bringing DLC to you. DLC, of course, the game... Excuse me, not a game, it's a show all about games in their many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles, and also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I am your host, Jeff Kanata, that's spelled with two N's and one T, and I'm joined for this very special end-of-the-year episode by my friend, slash co-host, slash nemesis, the guy who refuses to use the term Game of the Year, Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Hell, I actually, I, I've thought about that over our week off, and I can, uh, I'll dive in a little bit, I can explain. I have good reasons. All right, we, we should talk about that. Uh, this is a very special episode. This is going to be our Game of the Year or Favorites of the Year episode, and uh, we have an awesome guest to help us out. DLC, of course, your downloadable Kanata, your downloadable Christian, but this week DLC stands for deciding on last year's champions because we're talking games of the year and personal best of 2014, but we have an awesome guest joining us, the editor-in-chief of Game Rant, debuting live from Canada, Mr. Rob Keys. Welcome, Rob. Thank you. My time has finally come. I've been waiting forever to be on the show. I'm very excited. Oh, we're excited to have you. This is going to be a fun discussion. We're going to kind of review the year that was, um, talk about our personal favorites this year. Uh, it is it is not going to be the usual format of the show, uh, but we do want to talk a little bit about stories. We always start with stories. And I think before we even launch into 2014's stories, because we usually talk about topical stuff, uh, there was a pretty big story this week, and we should probably at least discuss it a little bit because uh psn was down uh a lot people were unwrapping their new consoles xbox live was down uh they were evidently hacked they were evidently well hacked is probably the wrong term they were assaulted online by a group of uh morons let's just say morons (laughs) um were either of you guys affected by by this hack um, I definitely was. I came on to play Destiny and I couldn't even get past the main screen where it says press X. So that sucked. Yeah, <laughs> yeah any, I was um any th- oh, go ahead, Christian. I was saying, I was fortunate to be on the road, so I was it was just uh my three DS and Zelda keeping me company and um a very offline little break. But man, um DDOS, what a just uh I mean I the lols right ha ha you know what you want to do something for the lols work really hard become a comedian get in front of people tell jokes that make them lols don't ruin people's holiday and their toys that they spend years saving up for what a yeah more ah oh man what what jerks what jerks it's uh, it's a bunch of Grinches. It's a bunch of idiots. Uh, I just thought we should mention it at the top. Obviously, there's not much to talk about. It's stupid. Um, and, um, you know, it, it really ruined Christ- Christmas for a lot of people, I think. Uh, again, yeah. the chat room is 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 confirming that I should not be calling it a hack. I keep calling it that 
I don't know why. It's certainly not. It's uh, as somebody mentioned here in the chat, it's vandalism. It's lame. Um, so anyway, I just thought I'd bring it up. It, it sucks. All of us were affected by it. And it really, um, you know, it made unwrapping new consoles for a lot of families probably a, a less than fun experience, which is a bummer. That is, yeah, that's the worst part right there, Jeff. Like, imagine that. Like, even, like, you know, bringing it home for your kids. And Spicer, you have a little one now. It's like, imagine that. Like, you get them a console and, like, you have to be connected to get the updates, to download the games even, especially if you buy a bundle and you can't even get past step one. That's, like, awful over the holiday, you know? Yeah, totally. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, you know, enough about that. I just thought we should bring it up at the top of the show because it was a big news story. We were off uh, for two weeks because of the holiday and, and it affected a lot of people and it was a big gaming thing. Um, obviously, hacking has been in the news with the whole Sony uh, movie side experience. And, and it's just uh, it's we're entering into a whole new uh, digital life that is full of this stuff. And I think all of these mega corporations really need to figure out how they're going to handle it, how it's, it's, it's going to be a daily, weekly, monthly, yearly concern for everybody. And that sucks. Um, all right. So enough of that. Let's get into talking about some of the fun trends of, of the year. Uh, but first guys, I'm really excited about this. We got a, a new special end of the year episode theme song from our buddy Sean Madigan. He sent it in. So let's kick things off this very special episode with this. complete sampling yeah that's, that's what i'm talking great. about that's pretty great <laughs> sean madigan he uh he has sent in a bunch of our our bumper music and uh yes games of the year slash personal favorites of the year um so do you want to do you want to talk about that right away before we even get to to the new stories of the year what's your what's your feeling about using the term game of the year christian yeah so for video games versus music or TV or movies. Um, the chance that everybody has the time to play every game that should be or is considered for game of the year is much less than for movies or TV shows or books or music or any other media in my games. Let's say you and I, Jeff, or you know, all three of us, uh, we do play the same game. Let's say we all play Far Cry 4. Our experience with that game can be totally different or Dragon Age Inquisition or so many games. Um, we might not even see the same content. We might not have the same interactions. We might not have the same experiences. Much less, you know, oh, movies, you might be in a different emotional space when you see a movie or you might know the true story that uh, Unbroken is based on or, or, or is representing. All that comes into games too, but with games specifically, we might not experience the same content. We might have a totally different playthrough. You might be a mage. I might be a warrior. Um, we don't play all the same games. And then to sit down and say that something is the game of the year from a website or bureau or whatever, um, a podcast, When and looking at our list, Jeff, especially you and I, we have played totally different games. 
And I think you run into that problem way more with gaming because Dragon Age is a 60 to 100 hour game. Far Cry can be, you know, 40 to 80 hour game. And I think it's a very different medium than the other types of media. And I think it's just a better representation to say, look, these are my favorites based on what I've played and experienced versus this is even my game of the year, I think puts an unfair false official stamp on it and um yeah that's kind of where i came down on it how do you feel about it rob are you are you comfortable using the term game of the year for your for your personal favorite yeah i am i think everything you say christian is totally right it's very tough to gauge and compare when you are having those different experiences but you can sort of look at it as like what experiences can you get from the game and i think like going back a few years like skyrim was a good example of that but no i agree i mean it's tough for me to find i mean you guys too there's so many big games coming out especially end of year and if each one requires 40 plus hours it's impossible to like fully experience and complete them all so it's never easy and like even looking at my list right now i can interchange my top five with another five and i change the order of that again and still not be not feel like super confident in what i'm doing in that respect i you know i understand what you guys think it's all in good fun anyway everybody knows these end of the year numbered lists are arbitrary and subjective to a certain extent as well so it, it kind of it's just fun, right? It's just fun saying for me, the game of the year is this. This is and, and I think it is it is implied that you're saying the game of my year, meaning what I experienced. And of course, it's going to be your favorites. My list, as you guys will hear and and uh, and recognize is very heavily weighted in terms of role playing games. That's the kinds of games I enjoy most. So. You know, I'm not going to put down a uh, a driving game unless it's really, really different. You know, it's not I'm not the gonna, kind of guy that's going to put down Madden in my list because I'm not drawn to playing Madden. Um, so, it, you know, it. I think there's an implication of subjectiveness and it's it's OK to say game of the year. But, you know. I totally understand where you're coming from as well, Christian. It's not that I don't understand it. I just feel like being so concerned about, you know, about having this objective name of game of the year. I think it's it's wasted energy, in my opinion. I think it just clarifies the issue. I think if it's a personal list, call it what you will. But like every year, Giant Bomb does a really, I think, great job showing, you know, peeling back the curtain and showing the process. And each person also relists. Uh, releases their personal top 10 games but then when they do the big discussion you hear how people didn't play games and if you read the neogaf chat on it people are complaining how could this game well so-and-so didn't play this game and i think when it is coming from an outfit or a site or a organization or a podcast um i do i, I think putting a game of the year title on it is falsely representing what it is and yeah i mean there are much more important issues in the world to focus energy on for sure but I feel like what you're saying, Jeff, is, oh, it's just fun and silly. Who cares? We can call it whatever we want. Um, I think that's a lame excuse. I don't walk around and have people call me the CEO um, just for giggles. You know, I, I don't know. I, I think there's a right way to do things in a wrong way. And just because people have been doing things the wrong way for years doesn't mean we should keep doing it that way. But with that said, well, you're missing I'm happy out, to man. move on. Having people call you the CEO is really fun. I think you should try that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Mr. CEO. Uh the Gru in the chat room suggests games I liked, your, your experience may vary, that I hope you're okay that I artic articulate thoughts about of the year. 
which I Love think it. is a, you know, snappy, snappy title. All right. Well, we can move on from that uh, with the caveat uh, as as sung so expertly by Sean Madigan that uh, we're going to do games of the year that are for us, but personal favorites. Um, but let's talk about some of the stories that happened this year. Some of the themes of 2014 that resonated with you, Rob. What what do you think? What do you what's your takeaway from uh, 2014 story wise? Oh, man, I think the one big topic we can really dissect if we wanted to is probably the phenomenon of rushed slash broken AAA releases. Uh, that was a sad repeating news cycle <laughs> and a yeah. problem for me personally as like just a fan of games and someone who has to like critique them. That really, really sucked. And when you combine that with the other story of so many big games being delayed to, you know, early 2015, uh, it's just a weird, weird transition year in this first year of the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One to see so many major releases, some of them even exclusives, uh, just totally falling flat at launch to the point where some of them were so bad at launch that I just kind of like put it down and never picked it back up again after the patches and updates came out. So that is an industry-wide issue that really, really needs to be addressed next year for me. Yeah, th- there's a there's an excellent article on Polygon from Mike McWhorter uh, about this, and he points out that the year sort of started with the tail end of this this trend beginning with um, uh, it's the tail end of, of the Battlefield 4 debacle. And oh. there was this hope at the beginning of 2014 that uh, 20 that uh, Battlefield 4 was going to be this warning sign for companies that weren't going to let this happen again and it was the exact opposite it was more of a bellwether for the entire year it, it certainly the end of 2014 was the the worst of this with uh pretty much every single high profile game that launched uh, in the fall season having major issues the the poster children being Halo Master Chief Edition uh collection I should say and um uh, Assassin's Creed Unity. I know this is a big issue for you, Christian. Um, it sucks that it's such a negative story is really a, one of the big takeaways of the year. What are your feelings? Yeah, I almost feel like Rob, when you're over at, at Game Rant, do you just have your um, your writers and, and editors just have a placeholder article ready to go that's just a blank game, <laughs> launches broken? <laughs> it doesn't work. Uh, you know what, though? Sort of. It's becoming that. When it comes to reviews anyway, like now, and this is like a changing trend of the industry with games releasing in early access and beta status and stuff like that, but when these games are coming out now, we have to put up like reviews in progress. And before this year, we never did that. A game launched, we finish it and put up a review with a score. Uh, and scoring is always the most difficult part of the review process. But now we can't even do that. We put up a review in progress and we review the part that works and say, with a disclaimer saying, we're going to come back to this when it's all operational and try to score it then. <laughs> but that's not reviewing consumer products at launch. So it's such a weird, tough transition time for like this side of the industry as well. Yeah, it. I mean, it, yeah, it's it, unfortunate. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Jeff. Go ahead. I just it will be interesting to see if 2015 is more of the same or if there really is. It it feels to me like we hit the tipping point uh, with a lot of, you know, these big developer heads of development uh, at these companies uh, making statements, making um, 
making amends in, to a certain respect with, uh, you know, providing things for free for people and and really uh, eating crow publicly. I wonder if that message will finally get through and we, we will see some change in this area. We'll see 2015 not having this kind of high profile flop uh, face plant upon release from some of these uh, online experiences. Um, do you guys have any hope for that? Christian, are you, do you have any, are you hopeful or do you think that it's uh, not going to change in the next year? I'm, I'm hopeful, but um, I think we are going to see problems still, unfortunately, but I, I, I'm, I'm really, really, really hopeful that it, that it all works out, but I think it's naive to assume that it will get better, unfortunately. Ooh. Uh, I, I'm maybe a little more hopeful. I think if you look at I think the publishers have really taken note because of what happened with EA and Ubisoft specifically. When you look at their like share prices, how they were affected by some of these launches, and you look at going back to Battlefield 4 and EA, like the amount of lawsuits they dealt with and the bad press and you know how it hurt the brand and how it affected Battlefield Hardline and it getting delayed. And I think what we're going to see is other developers capitalizing on this negative trend and trying to come out as like white knights, so to speak. And I'll give you an example. Um, look at CD Projekt Red and The Witcher 3. That game yeah. is easily one of the most anticipated games of next year. And they were already running high, you know, free DLC, no seasons passes or nonsense like that. Uh, no DRM, which is awesome. And like they're on top of already delivering quality projects. Now they're delaying their already delayed game even more telling us with an open letter to the fans written beautifully saying, look, we're going to release quality over quantity. This game is not driven by a release date it's driven by giving you the best product possible. And games like that will be examples that like the industry will jump on in the same way. We're ready to jump on other publishers who may release rushed games in the future. So I think 2015, those, a lot of those games that are already delayed, I would not be surprised to see some of them delayed again, just to get out there on the right, you know, first foot. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and, and the problem children really happen when it's when it has to be out by Christmas. And that's yeah. uh, and that's, a, 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 you know, a no non-flexible release date. Uh, and so hopefully <laughs> uh, this time next year, we won't be talking about more of the same. Um, but yeah, you know, and, and let's just hope that Witcher 3 doesn't have bugs, because oh, I man. think planting their flag in the sand like that really uh, is setting themselves up for fall if, if they don't deliver a, a solid product. I have faith in them that they will. I mean, Witcher 2 was, was pretty solid upon release, and it was a big, uh, big unwieldy game. Um, but, you know, I just hope that that doesn't bite them <laughs> for making that claim. Yeah. Um, Another uh, another story trend I wanted to bring up, it's a uh, much more positive uh, is I think 2014 in a lot of ways is the year of virtual reality. Uh, yes, virtual reality hasn't arrived yet, but I think it's. This is the year when Sony made an, an announcement that, uh, you know, Project Morpheus was a thing that they were jumping on that bandwagon. This is the year that the Oculus was acquired by a by Facebook, a gigantic company for a lot of money, putting a lot of resources and um, betting a lot of their future on this technology. Uh I think it was much more in the mainstream conscience consciousness. Yes, we don't have anything other than dev kits to mess around with, but I think the beginning of the sea change into making virtual reality a viable gaming experience happened this year. What do you think, Rob? 
Uh, yeah, I'm totally with you. I mean, I was sold. I don't know when you guys first got hands on with like Oculus Rift or Morpheus, but when I did, it was that uh, Eve VR, like before it became Eve mm-hmm. Valkyrie. I tried that at E3, yeah. I guess 2012. And that was the same year, you know, Microsoft and Sony were showing off the Xbox One and PS4. And it would, you know, the E3 was supposed to be about these next gen, you know, long awaited consoles. And for me, I was, my whole experience at E3 was ruined by playing Oculus Rift because I all of a sudden didn't care about the next gen consoles. It was all virtual reality all the way. And I ordered the dev kit too and have that. Um, and I've been used downloading every single demo and game that supports it, including Elite Dangerous and stuff like that. So yes, to me, that is the most exciting thing. Seeing Facebook acquire it just proves how important it is going to be not just for gaming but you know business and social implications of that and seeing morpheus come out in more games like planet side 2 that we know are going to support it it's very very exciting and uh a quick question for you guys do you guys what do you guys think microsoft's going to do about the vr game I feel like they have to get into the game. I think that I think it's it's going to be the same thing as motion control was, uh, you know, four or five years ago. It it's something that is kind of now an expectation for a gaming experience to have Uh, whether or not it'll turn out like motion gaming where it kind of fizzled. I I hope not, but uh, I kind of feel like there has to be an announcement this year from Microsoft that they are participating in that revolution in some way. Um, And I would be shocked if they, if they don't get on board, especially with a technology like connect available to them. Um, You know, it it seems like it could go hand in hand, uh, no pun intended with, with, with that. Um, Christian, what are your thoughts on VR? I, I think that if you've played Wolfenstein, the new order will look at 2014 as the prologue in Wolfenstein before you get to the title card and before the game gets interesting. It was a really, really, really long prologue. <laughs> and hopefully, hopefully 2015, the game. game gets interesting <laughs> too early to call or not too early. Uh, 2014 can't be the year of VR when I can't buy it. Um, but it's exciting. It's exciting that we're making progress, but it's, we're not there yet, right? We're we're looking through the tunnel. There's maybe light, just a glimmer of light at the end of the tunnel. But I don't even know if there's, I don't even know if there's really light yet. But we're, we can maybe see a tiny pinhole. <laughs> All right. So what what is uh, a story, a theme from 2014 that you wanted to highlight? I mean, we've kind of covered the two biggest, I think, in terms of of broken games and delays. And I I, I guess the other big theme coming out of, of of twenty fourteen is the continued mainstreamedness. Is that what I'm looking for? Of um, <laughs> phone gaming and and getting even every year people bring this up. So I don't think we need to harp on it for long. But um, with games like Hearthstone and Threes continuing to to just be dominating uh, people's playtime, I think my wife plays more quote-unquote games per day than I do, um, you know, that isn't going away, no duh, and it's becoming more and more and more and more entrenched in people's daily lives, and I just wanted to, you know, bring it up yet again, like we have every year since, what, 2007. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, uh, that's a fair point. Uh, I, exactly, it's more of the same, and it's a continued upward trend, but yeah, as smartphones become uh, essential, life tools i think people are going to want to pass time on them and uh yeah we've seen that and that trend does indeed continue um another 
the thing that I think we, we can't not mention uh, is uh, this theme of inclusiveness or lack thereof in gaming and uh, the real uh, ugly online battle between trying to to have a discussion about inclusiveness and trying to silence people who want to bring up the topic. Um, you know, we saw a major uh, hashtag start up this year and get a lot of press, both mainstream and certainly in the community. Uh, and it, it was a source of real consternation for me. I, I, you know, it, it's a major bummer that we saw such vitriol and hate spewed at people who were trying to open up the hobby and uh, ask some interesting questions about uh, whether or not groups of people were, were being welcomed or not. Um, it's certainly it's certainly a a theme for 2014, is it not, Rob? No, I think you're totally right. And unfortunately, this hashtag you're referring to, and I think everyone knows what we're talking about, uh, became so clouded in like personal trolling, and it really lost sight of like the real issues where there was like some genuine, interesting discussion to be had. You know, between developers and fans and gamers in the media. And I, I, we, we made a point of avoiding coverage of the hashtag itself and more about the games like for example like when assassin's creed unity was announced and there was going to be no uh, you know female playable characters or something like that you know what i mean that kind of stuff there's there's stuff to, to be spoken about or when it comes to like the the behind the scenes development of a game but what that turned into throughout the year became sad and disgusting uh unfortunately so i really hope that's we see more positive light put on that next year in a more constructive way you know Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Christian? I would prefer not to give the topic any more time. Um, hopefully yeah. people continue to be good people and be better. Be better, people. Um, don't disappoint yourselves. Be the person that you know you can be. Agreed. Uh, any any truth to the uh, to the feeling that 2014 was the coming of age, the maturization of Twitch? Did did it happen before now or was 2014 the year? I mean, we saw Twitch acquired by Amazon for one point one billion dollars, which is certainly a a numerical uh, (laughs) validation of its worth and value for a lot of people. Uh, But I think this year, you know, we we, again, this is another one of those um, constant upward trends that we've been seeing but i feel like twitch really came into its own in 2014 and it it is a force and it is a force to be reckoned with and i think uh amazon acquiring it the a num- the number of mainstream twitch channels the the amount of uh, acknowledgement from the mainstream that this is a viable entertainment venue um i feel like that was a big part of what made this year exciting in gaming what do you guys think rob yeah, I'm with you. It's it's become, yeah. I think I think you're right to say 2014 is sort of the year it branched out even more because I think this year more than ever I've seen Twitch used as a metric to gauge like successful launches of video games. How many people are Twitch streaming, or how many YouTube celebrities are using Twitch to stream a preview of a game? We see that all the time now, and uh, it's become a legitimate venue for like larger events, not just like the E3 sort of stuff, but even like the Game Awards and and all sorts of stuff like that. So I think now it's. Amazon just sort of like, you know, dots the I's and cross the T's and solidifies its place. But Twitch this year, for sure, it is like solidified itself as like the go to venue for that online live streaming stuff. So, yeah, I think you're right on the mark with that. 
Yeah, yeah, in the chat room, our buddy Ozzy uh, points out that Twitch covered events like G three or uh, E three better than G four, and Spike ever did, which is uh, is pretty pretty cool. Pretty cool. You were saying, yeah. Christian? Oh yeah, it, it's it's crazy um, the way Twitch has taken people that I think have it's the right good tech at the right time. Maybe not the right tech. Someone might do it better. Um, but people that grew up on games, sometimes, you know, you come home and you're maybe too tired to game. I have a lot of friends that work a, a grueling day job, and but they still love the game world and game culture. And they'll come home and turn on Twitch instead of turning on, I don't know, you know, uh, TLC, right? Or HGTV or, or some type of dribble channel, television channel. They'll turn on dribble Twitch and they'll watch someone play League or they'll watch someone play um, Far Cry and, and they'll do that as they veg out and eat at the end of the day. Uh, and it's interesting, right? I mean, it's something that 10 year old me never would have imagined, but it uh, is hitting the right note for a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's huge. And um, the fact that it is integrated into both the PS4 and uh, Xbox One natively. I mean, this was the first year that you could just flip on a console and stream your game to the to the world. That's big, and it's only going to get bigger. So I think uh, in a lot of ways, 2014 was the year of Twitch. Uh, is there any other any other trends you guys want to bring up? Yeah, Got any other I ones? actually have one, guys, if you don't mind. Uh, okay, so we, sure. we kind of talked about... Amazon buying Twitch and Facebook buying Oculus. So I, I thought acquisitions kind of led to an interesting trend we're starting to see. Like I give you a bigger example, Minecraft being bought for, you know, two and a half billion dollars by Microsoft. And what that means for like third party games like that kind of going exclusive. We saw Street Fighters coming exclusively to PS4. That announcement was making waves. And the Tomb Raider sequel is coming exclusively or maybe like a one year timed exclusive to the Xbox One. So we're starting to see a reverse trend going back to like two console generations where these third-party games are starting to like plant their flags on, you know, either the Xbox brand or the PlayStation brand. I thought that was very interesting coming off the end of the last generation where everything was going multi-platform. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. Uh, Christian, what are your thoughts about that? Yeah, it is. It, it's back to the PS2 era, like Rob was, uh, uh, you know, alluding to two console generations ago. And I, I think we'll see more of it um, at the end of last year or the end of last cycle, console cycle you did, you saw Microsoft Studios kind of shuttering internal studios and focusing more on multi-platform and being the best play to game. But now, as these consoles and PCs are more and more similar, that's kind of what drives market uh, differentiation between them. And I, I don't think we're done <laughs> seeing that type of exclusivity, exclusivity or even full-on acquisitions. I mean, Amazon is still sitting on quite a few game studios, right? Um, yeah. And mm -hmm. we've yet to see those fruit really bloom and, and come out. So I think we'll see more in 2015 for sure. Yeah, you're spot on about it being a differentiator. I mean, th these consoles are so similar in so many ways, and there's so much third party uh, hype and excitement. It's all it's all big third party games uh, and to have these few blips of differentiation, I think, are, are becoming more and more important in a in a real tough, uh, tough race for the for the dollar. Um, as far as the acquisitions of, of big companies, I, I think in a lot of ways, 2014 was the year of the billion. Like everything's worth <laughs> billions now. There, you don't even you don't even hear about stuff being acquired for millions. It's all billions now. Yeah. Um, one billion dollars for that. One billion dollars for that. It's uh, DLCs available. Pretty staggering. Wants, uh, anyone has a billion yes. DLCs available. You know what? I'll I'll take less than a billion. I'll even uh, I'll take less than a billion. <laughs> 
Uh, I am easy. Um, all right, well, let's uh, let's get into the meat of the show. Uh, let's let's talk about games. Uh, there's there's a lot of really interesting stories of the year, but uh, let's let's talk about our favorites favorite games. But first, let's take a second and thank our sponsor, Linda, L-Y-N-D-A, lynda.com. It's an easy, affordable way to help people learn. You can instantly stream thousands of courses created by experts on business, software, web development, graphic design, and more. We're talking about Twitch, this is this is like, you know, you tune into Twitch to learn how to play a game. This is how to learn how to use software, learn how to fix things, do what you need to do. Linda has really interesting courses. I always think it's always a great idea to learn and a great way to learn. Learning is is the most important thing I do in my day. Learning something new, continuing to challenge myself, and lynda.com can help you get things done. It works directly with industry experts and software companies so that they always have the most up-to-date information. They have real experts. It's not like you're just scouring YouTube or Twitch for for some yokel in his basement teaching you how to do something who might be out of date, he might be wrong. No, these are experts. These are people who Linda hires to create high quality videos that are much clearer, much more concise, and much better written than anything you'll find on YouTube or anywhere else. And they're always up to date, which is very, very important. The courses are broken into bite-sized pieces, so you can learn at your own pace or start, you know, learn from start to finish or just hop in and find a quick answer that you might need. And they even have searchable transcripts, playlists, and a certificate of course completion, which is great if you want to publish uh, that on your LinkedIn page so you can you know, prove that you have the skills to pay the bills, which is great. Whether you're a beginner or advanced, lynda.com has courses for all experience levels, and they make it easy to learn anywhere with lynda.com apps for iPhone, iPad, and Android. One low monthly price of 25 bucks gets you unlimited access to over 100,000 video tutorials and premium members with an annual plan can download courses to their iPhone, iPads, or Androids to learn offline. That's really, really cool. Check it out at lynda.com. That's L-Y-N-D-A.com slash D-L-C. lynda.com slash D-L-C. And we will hook you up with a special offer to access all of their courses for free for 10 days. So you can check out anything you can figure out if it's something that would be useful for you. I suspect it will be. Get it free for 10 days by going to lynda.com slash DLC. Uh, we appreciate Linda supporting the show into 2015, and uh, we hope you support them in return. It's a, it's a really a cool service. I dig it. Lynda.com slash DLC. All right, dudes, it is that time. Complete sampling. Awesome. I only get to I only get it once a year, so I have to indulge me that I get to play it. I put it on loop the other day and I was just digging it, man. Such a cool song. <laughs> Thanks again to Pretty Sean catchy. Madigan. All right, guys, let's do it. Uh, we all have our top fives. Um, let's just run down. We'll go uh, in order from five to one. Uh, Rob, what yeah. is your number five game of the year? Personal favorite. I felt- 
based on yeah, the I felt, sampling. Yeah, yeah. I really had to get the Wii U on here because I think it had a pretty good year uh, for their exclusives versus the other other platforms. And so I, I chose Smash Brothers because this game, I think, had a profound impact on me over the holidays because I got to go play it with friends and do like the local six-player shared screen shenanigans, which was really, really, really fun. And it got me remembering the good old days of the N64 and stuff like that. So I really, really enjoyed that. And I thought it was a far better Nintendo game than Mario Kart 8, which to me was disappointing because of what it did with battle mode. Uh, I love me the old balloon smashing and that one didn't cut it for me as well. But Smash Brothers was definitely a return to form. And like, if you're a fan of the series, I think they, they hit a home run with this one. So this was a great, great freaking game for the Nintendo Wii U. Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, just based on the amount of content in that box, my gosh, it's oh, yeah. uh, it's pretty awesome. And to be able to play Smash Brothers in HD is is pretty great. Not, it didn't make my list because um, you know it's just not my kind of fighter. I, I'm I you know I bought it, I have it, I'm planning to play more of it, um, and I want to fall in love with it. I know Christian, you've been playing a lot of it, right? Yeah, I have it on both uh, 3DS and on Wii U. It it uh, doesn't make my top five. I actually am on the other side of that Mario Kart coin from you rate. They also, in my opinion, hadn't messed up Smash yet. And Mario Kart for the Wii was such a hot pile. <laughs> and I did not have much faith. <laughs> I did not have much faith in Mario Kart 8. Mario Kart 7 on, on 3DS was was good. It was it was very good. But man, Mario Kart 8 in HD and the when you're hovering and floating around, which also, sad to say, Mario Kart 8 is not does not make it into my top five five is so few games, guys. Um but for <laughs> me, in terms of the Wii U Nintendo exclusive to champion for this year, Mario Kart 8 gets my gets my nod but smash is great especially yeah if you have couch co-op um nearby and readily available for you then yeah smash is awesome yeah i should also mention that we're gonna i'd love to uh take some calls and people tell us their game of the year i'd love to grab uh just just your top game what is your pick for game of the year for your personal favorite uh, obviously based on an incomplete sampling. Uh, if you want to call in at 512-518-5714, we'll be checking the phones and trying to get some uh, a, a wider sampling from just not just the three of us, but uh, from some of you as well. So 512-518-5714 is that number. Uh, Christian, what's your fifth favorite of the year? It goes to Counterspy. Um, I... I have problems with review scores. Rob mentioned, you know, how hard it is to give a game a score. And I feel the the scores, looking at numbers that people gave Counterspy really did it a disservice and kept it out of people's hands in game libraries. It's beautifully animated, really fun, pick up and playable. It was on, you know, across the PlayStation devices. Um, and yeah, it has you know, there are some quirks about it. The biggest drawback, people were like, oh, it's supposed to be a stealth game. But then when you go into a level, there might be a guy right in front of you. Well, I think you're bringing in your preconceived notions of what the game's supposed to be because, oh, it's supposed to be a stealth game. Stealth game, you say? Well, you have a rocket launcher. <laughs> Use it. <laughs> Adapt. Expand. Play through a different style. Don't feel like you need to be stealthy. And I think it's just such a it, to to quote you, Jeff, uh, or to use one of your terms, it, it's whimsical, and it really just struck that right note for me of um, 
beauty and simplicity and also replayability because uh, like a, a roguelike or whatever, every time you go into it, the levels are slightly rearranged. And um, it's it was the right length and just really, really um, resonated with me in a way that um, few games did this year. So that it's number five. Did either of you give it a chance? I did, yeah. I thought I, I agree. I love the art style. I like the procedural stuff. I think I think it was cool, and I think it was different. It was definitely a charming thing. I I, I saw. I didn't I didn't finish it though, so uh, I also didn't review it. But yeah, no, I, I'm with you. It's definitely a cool game. It deserves more recognition. Yeah, as much as you talked about it this year, Christian, I should have given it. Uh, yeah, having it on your list here, I think I might uh, I might take a take it for a spin and see. Uh, See if I agree, but it, yeah, it certainly looked cool. And we, you know, we talked to the designer uh, on the show, and uh, it certainly it came from a place of of real love. So it's it's a you know it was a it was a um a uh, passion project, you know. So that's that's always exciting and fun to support as well. Um, my number five game of the year certainly points to the fact that this is a very personal list. This is certainly a game that I'm sure a lot of people would not enjoy, but gosh, I loved it and that is legend of grimrock 2 i did not play the first legend of grimrock but um very happy that i downloaded legend of grimrock 2 on steam inexpensive game a throwback game to those old sort of ultima underworld or might and magic or bard's tale first person uh but you're a party uh, all in the first person and um it's grid based so if you push forward you move forward one square and you turn left or right 90 degrees at a time it's all grid based like you're playing on graph paper uh just wonderfully inventive a clunky combat system that i happen to love um fun puzzles an interesting world i just i just really dug the spirit of this game and how much there was to discover and do and how all the little systems work together legend of grimrock 2 is my number five game of the year on my list um all right guys brings us to number four rob what is your number four Ooh, uh, so this was a tough one. For, for number four, I chose Far Cry 4 uh, from Ubisoft, which uh, I kind of go back and forth on because uh, to me, it is the exact same game as Far Cry 3. But I loved Far Cry 3, and this one is like equally as fun to kind of just pick up and play, fly around, blow up a whole bunch of stuff, and it looks just gorgeous as you're doing it and so even though i, I don't think it pushes the uh the series forward in any way um it was still one of the ones i found to be wanting to play the most this year so uh i think that speaks volumes and i think the co-op stuff they they changed around this time was pretty friggin' fun uh you can set up some really interesting things and while the competitive side is kind of a letdown uh the single player stuff uh you know story aside the actual questing exploring and taking out outposts uh, was awesome, and I think it makes it you know one of the best shooters we've seen in a while. And s- simply referring to like shooting mechanics and how that functions in the game. What? Yeah, uh, that's one of those ones that's a major hole in my in my list as far as uh, haven't haven't played it yet. Made that decision to go Dragon Age Inquisition instead of Far Cry Four on the the day that was released, <laughs> and uh, haven't had time to to follow up. I mean, I I loved Far Cry Three, so I'm sure I will dig Far Cry Four. So that is a major asterisk for me is that I I haven't dived into that game yet, but I I plan to. What are you yeah. playing on, Rob? What system or PC or console? I'm playing this one on PS4. I played Far Cry Three mainly on PC. 
So that's the, so I got Far Cry. It's an honorable mention for me only because I've only spent an hour or two playing it. I got it for Christmas and then was in out of town for most of Christmas and only spent a little bit of time with it. And it is, it's beautiful. I'm playing it on PS4 and I played three on a PC. If you had a good PC, it won't graphically blow you away. But if you're coming from an Xbox 360 or PS3, then it will. I think if this is yeah. your, your first experience with the new Far Cry. Um, what I find interesting is playing, I think all the other Far Cries on PC is, and I wish I could articulate this better, it controls like a PC game, if that makes sense. Like I feel like I'm using a controller to play a PC shooter versus I feel like Halo and Call of Duty, when you play them on PC, feel like you're playing a console shooter on PC, if that makes yeah. sense. I, I, I think um, I know what you mean. It's a little more twitchy, especially when it comes to like, you know, uh, like physically moving over like fences and stuff like that. It definitely feels more like playing Far Cry 3 on PC than it was on 360. But. Yeah, and it's not necessarily a bad thing. I think it's interesting. But um, and again, more of the same isn't I don't think that needs to be a bad thing. I think it's great that this is on someone's list. And uh, I, I'm really looking forward to wasting more time <laughs> strapping yeah. elephants with C4 and letting them run. Uh, Jeff, I I totally see what you mean. I'm on the opposite side of that. I had to play this one over Dragon Age. So we're not, this is the whole problem we're talking about. Not not enough hours yes. in, in a week to play these games. But I will say like like you need to give this a shot. I feel like Far Cry Three. But if Far Cry Five is the same thing in another environment, then I I think I need to clock out of the series for a while. They definitely need to change things up next time. I'm sure they heard loud and clear that that was the one complaint. So it would be interesting to see what Far Cry. I hope we don't see Far Cry five in 2015. I think it, I, I hope it's a 2016, 2017 type game. Yeah. Uh, that, you know, let's the, let's the series breathe a little bit and expand and grow and explore some new new areas. Uh, Christian, what is your number four? I teased it earlier. It is Wolfenstein, the new order blown away by this game. I never thought. I'd be playing a new Wolfenstein. Or no, I take that back. I never thought I'd be enjoying a new Wolfenstein in 2014. Um, I saw this game at, I think it was E3 2013 or whenever they first showed it. And I was like, oh, great. looks dumb. Uh, or, you know, it looks very whatever. And um, I heard some people that I respect saying, singing its praises. And I picked it up. And man, this game was is right up my alley. Awesome single player campaign it has twists and turns and and in terms of level design and gameplay and what it asks you to do and people from you know starbreeze um pedigree with riddick and um really really great talent behind the game and level after level i was pleasantly surprised and i it was one of the first games that i thought about when i wasn't playing (laughs) i wanted to get back and play more of it i i really 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 enjoyed it yeah, I mean, I I uh, I liked it too. It's a game you've certainly talked about a lot on this show over the course of the year, um, and it's it's gotten a lot of love. You know, this is I think a, a game that nobody really expected to be as good as it is. Uh, it's a sort of tired franchise that that I think people expected to to be sort of a second tier franchise, and um, I think it probably got overlooked by a, a fair amount of people. And I'm glad that you've been on the show singing its praises all year because it sounds like a worthy. Worthy play for 2014. I think you can get it pretty cheap now as well. So, oh yeah, um, you definitely can. Um, my pick for number four uh, is a game that frustrates me that pe- more people aren't talking about because 
unlike my number five pick, I don't think this is just my personal preference. I think this game can stand toe to toe with any experience this year. Yes, it's shorter. Yes, it's a little simpler than than a lot of these big, complex AAA titles. But a story about my uncle, which is a Steam PC, very inexpensive game, uh, independent game, is undoubtedly one of the best gaming experiences I had all year. I described it in a lot of uh, places, uh, including this show as a uh, Spider-Man simulator, uh, because it, 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 I think better than any of the Spider-Man games, it gave me the sense of slinging myself momentum, jumping, making huge leaps of faith. Uh, the, the idea of the game is that you're this little kid, you stumble into your, uh, your, you know, eccentric, inventor uncle's attic and you find a suit that lets you um, jump really high and shoot a grapple out of your hand and it teleports you into this alternate dimension where there's floating rocks and strange environments and you have to go searching for your uncle by slinging yourself through the environment with this grapple and jumping and figuring out ways to to get through anybody that loved portal would love this game uh, those moments in portal where you 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 know you figure out ways to get your momentum and make a huge jump that's this entire game um it, this is more people should be talking about a story about my uncle it's awesome rob did you have you heard of this game did you play it at all uh, sadly i've seen like a, a gameplay preview of it but i haven't actually got hands on with it and now i i feel really bad now, after what you're singing its praises this way i really need to play it soon uh, I remember cold AM in the chat room says it's three dollars and twenty four cents right now. Oh man! So yeah, yeah. I remember when ahead, you Christian. first played it, Jeff. You said that show. You're like, I think I just played my game of the year. So it didn't. I mean, we all know what your number one's going to be. Let's be honest. I think uh, Pastor Mor Taurus in the chat just wrote your top five list for what it really is. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's a divine. It's a divine list you have, Jeff. Um, it is, but it's also original. <laughs> is it um <laughs> but yeah i'm glad that this game has is getting some year-end praise from you because i do think more people should, especially for three bucks go just go buy it right <laughs> yeah i mean come on it's if, if it's really three dollars and 24 cents right now on steam it's that's uh, that is ridiculous value for your money <laughs> so you will have so much fun playing this game play it with a controller i i don't advise playing it with a, with a mouse and keyboard um but uh man it is wonderful i would love to see this game ported over to uh, psn or xbox live so people can play it on consoles i think it's it's a glorious experience it's really fun it's charming there's zero violence in it it's the only you know the only game on my list that doesn't have any violence which is uh pretty awesome um you know it's just it's just great 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 um all right let's take a call we'll take a pause at at number three and uh, see what other people are talking about because we've got a lot of people on the line here um we have somebody from uh 661 area code uh what's your name where you're calling from what's your game of the year personal favorite hi hi what's your name where you're calling from Hello? what's your game of the year man yeah um, I'm not sure. I can't hear you guys, so I'm kind of hoping you guys can hear me. Um, oh. So, well, for my... Ah, okay, okay. Um, so, first of all, this is Michael from Amsterdam. It's been a while. Um, yeah, so, let's see. My game of the year. That would have to... I mean, 
obviously it would probably go to an intended game, but I'm going to have to give this one up to Bayonetta 2. Um, mostly because Bayonetta 2 caught me completely off guard with just how much better it was than the original. The original was good, but this one was way better. And the, the, the online was also surprisingly seamless. And I was just like two players against a bunch of stuff that's going on at the same time. I mean, if you've seen the action in Bayonetta 2, it gets really hectic. But doing that with two players at the same time and just crazy combo after crazy combo and just looking as slick as it does. I haven't had a lot of fun. I mean, I've had a lot of fun this year playing games, but this game was just really. Yeah. That 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 sounds like a that sounds like a winner. I know it's on your uh, it's on uh, I think your what your honorable mentions, Christian. It 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 is it it is there. It didn't make my top five, but it's a it's a great if you like action, um, you know, God of War, Devil May Cry, whatever that type of game. It, Bayonetta. If you like Bayonetta, you'll love. It's really good, and it it is it's really well made. And if you have a Wii U, um, it's worth checking out for sure. Thank you for the call. Uh, you guys can be prepared, man. You got to be prepared when I come to you. You got to have your uh, have your game of the year ready to ready to say because uh, you know we're talking games of the year. You got to be decisive. All right. Speaking of decisive, we're at number three. Uh, Rob, your number three personal game of the year, based on one of my favorite TV shows of all time. I got to say, my number three is South Park: The Stick of Truth. The uh, a game that was I guess yeah. shifted hands, right? It was part of the THQ right. bankruptcy. Ubisoft picked it up. Smart, smart call. Man, if you guys, if anyone out there like watches South Park, seen the movie, loves the show, this is basically living out or playing out two seasons of the show with all of its vulgarities and craziness and all of its characters and moving around the whole township of South Park. It is awesome. They finally made a South Park game that feels and plays and is truly authentically South Park 100%. Um, it is so freaking funny. It's super inappropriate, so keep it away from your kids. Super inappropriate, but so much fun if you're a fan of the show. So this was one of the most memorable games I've played all year long. I've never had so much fun like recording myself playing a game and just laughing with what the characters are doing or the crazy situations you find yourself in and all the callbacks to the original seasons and stuff. Just so well done. I think uh, Trey Parker and Matt Stone did a tremendous job helping make this the game they've always trying to make, I believe. Uh, and all the delays and time they put into it with uh, the great devs at Obsidian did a fantastic job with this game. It is a must-play for anyone who loves the show. And again, this is on, on discount everywhere. You can buy the collector's edition with the cool big Cartman toy as well for pretty cheap. So a uh, highly recommended game. Wait, Rob, is your head yeah. flapping? Is your head flapping uncontrollably as you're as you're saying this, Rob? <laughs> yeah, as a Canadian. <laughs> yeah, I gotta go in my car with my square wheels to drive out and pick it up. But uh, <laughs> yeah, there's a great section in Canada. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I played a lot of this game uh, early part of this year as well. It was it was one of my most anticipated games of 2013, and then it got pushed pushed to the early part of 2014, and. Um, it, 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 the star really is the writing. It, it is fun. It's fun for fans of the show that it's one of those games where the collectibles really are collectible because it's like, Oh, I remember that thing from the thing. Yeah. It's so awesome that I found that thing. Um, rather than it just being, you know, Oh yeah, it's Mario's head. Okay. Uh, this is, you know, actually fun, cool 
callbacks as you said to the to the show uh it's genuinely funny i like i like the role-playing system i think it's it's pretty well implemented and it uses stuff from the show in a really smart way uh yeah i mean it's has there ever been a better use of ip uh, more consistent with a show I, I think having the actual creators involved was a big boon to this game didn't make my list but uh certainly certainly a cool game uh christian your number three infamous second son i've played every infamous game and enjoyed all of them and um people have hated on second son and i it doesn't have quite as much to do as uh infamous two or whatever you know what maybe is it it's awesome is it an awesome game yeah it's awesome oh the powers are all the same it's all shooting and running are you having fun doing it then shut your face it's awesome (laughs) it's it's gorgeous it's it's um it finds it's fun and it has you repeat it and it's fun as you repeat it and it doesn't overstay its welcome and the story's not convoluted crap it's pretty straightforward you know what's going on you know what's happening and you meet some cool people along the way and also it's gorgeous infamous second son fun 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 yeah, it, this very nearly made my list. Uh, I loved. If we had a top ten instead of top five, it would certainly be on my list. Yeah. It is uh, awesome. I think it's it's being overlooked a lot because it came out so early in the year. Uh, I would I would venture to say the coolest superpowers in the history of video games. I, I think the the way the superpowers are. Uh, are visualized and what they are is the cool it's so cool and you just keep getting new ones throughout the game right up until the end it's awesome yeah. um did you play it rob oh yeah i reviewed this one and gave it a very strong review uh i agree with everything you guys are saying it would be my top 10 as well it, and it, this is coming from someone who didn't really enjoy the first two like this one like sold me it was gorgeous i love the the way they got the control to work with the powers it drives me crazy that there are not like dc comics and marvel video games like building on this formula and delivering us games of this caliber because there's so much potential and it's really hooked me into the series and got me very hopeful of like another follow-up with even more crazy cool powers and characters yeah uh danish syed in the in the chat room reminded me of that awful awful boss fight which there's one terrible boss fight in this game that really mars the experience for me uh this game is so so good and then there's this one crazy you're in an, another dimension fighting in a, in a way that you never have fought in in the, the entire game doing it making you do stupid things that are just frustrating and it lasts forever uh mm-hmm. that one moment took the game down a, a notch for me but so much of it is really fun and, and so much of it allows you to design the battles how you want to approach them. If you want to try to take down this tower, how are you going to do it? What what skill set are you going to use? How are you going to approach from the front, from the back, from the side, from the top? You're going to fly in and you're going to you know, go from the bottom and work your way up the stairs to get to the top of the tower. I like open world games that allow you to approach that those kind of objectives however you want um so there's tons to like but yeah i'm reminded of that one moment where that game really ground to a halt for me but it picks up right after that (laughs) yeah definitely um all right so that was uh that was christian's number three my number three is dragon age inquisition which uh you know what else is there to say about dragon age inquisition it's huge it's awesome i think it is 
It is functionally system systems wise, just pure mechanics wise. It is the best Dragon Age of the series. And I am a fan of the Dragon Age series. I think uh, I've put easily, you know, 140 hours into the the first two games and uh, really dig the the universe, the storytelling. Storytelling is still strong here in, in Inquisition. Um, you know, Bioware does a, such a great job with that. But now for they finally have a graphics engine that stands toe to toe with uh, other games in the genre. I think the first two games really didn't look good when compared to other games that were coming out at the same time and a combat system. That's really fun. And all these new mechanics uh, of being a commander in the world of, of really waging war on this war table and figuring out ways to, to attack and use your resources in really interesting in a really interesting manner. Also open world, the introduction of open world into dragon age was a big thing and could have really not worked in this series and it works really really well Uh, there's tons to do there's really cool carrots on sticks to give you reasons to spend your time in the open world which is which is always very useful a a big hallmark of the far cry series in my opinion is giving you reasons to do all these side missions and not just because they're there uh and uh yeah very enjoyable awesome game i'm not quite finished with it yet but uh, i'm gonna i'm planning to put lots more hours into it uh as well i know rob you said you hadn't played it yet Christian, are you intrigued at all by Dragon Age, or are you just kind of not not your not your jam? It's yeah, it's not my kind of game, and I'm super comfortable with that. And I think I asked you, and people can listen to or a longer explanation on an older episode. But if you are a Fallout, um, Skyrim, or Mass Effect fan, but haven't dove into Dragon Age Inquisition, would you recommend they do so, or no? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it compares favorably to Fallout per se, but uh, I think it does compare favorably favorably to Mass Effect, and uh, I think people will find a lot of familiarity. You know, obviously the same. You know, it's Bioware. Um, I, I happen to prefer the storytelling in the Dragon Age series to Mass Effect. It's not so binary as I say all all the time. As far as good versus evil, it's more shades of gray, which is more interesting to me. Uh, I think. It, it is certainly much more Skyrim than it has ever been, um, it, especially with the open world and lots of interesting. They learned a lot, I think, in this third Dragon Age from games like Skyrim. And uh, I think they implement that open world in such a cool way. I, I, Yeah, you don't have to have played the first two games. If you have, there's cool Easter eggs and stuff, uh, story beats that will resonate for you better. The story is very dense and it may be a little off putting at first, but you know, ultimately you're vanquishing evil, which is pretty easy to understand. So it's, it's not something that I think is going to be, you know, completely out of the question to just jump right into this third game. Uh, excellent game. And, and really even better than I thought it was going to be this year, which is why it made my number three. Uh, okay. So number two, we are at number two already. This is awesome. Number two game of the year, Rob is, (laughs) Number two is going to be uh, Middle-Earth Shadow of Mordor, or I guess I can call it Arkham Ranger. Uh, this is a game I didn't really have. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm talking about. This game, I this was a pleasant surprise. I wasn't expecting much. Uh, I thought it was kind of a weird tie-in to try to capitalize on the Hobbit 3 hitting theaters and stuff like that, but it wasn't that at all. They actually, <laughs> I actually like this game more than I like the Hobbit movies. And uh, I think if you like, Obviously, if you like Lord of the Rings or like the Batman Arkham series, that style of gameplay, even Assassin's Creed style of gameplay, this is a very cool game. And this Nemesis system that you've probably heard a lot of buzz about, 
is as cool as everyone says it is. It really makes this game something special. And I think that alone is going to be something that many, many other games in the near future are going to start uh, taking cues from. Uh, it's very, very cool. The way they work it into the story of uh, the Tolkien lore in the films is very, very cool. I, I love the character. I love how they worked it in. The gameplay is very, very cool. And the way they make characters out of like random, seemingly random grunts is very, very interesting. And uh, I, I barely scratched the surface of this game, but I am so sold on it that I'm trying to make time to just kind of plow through the rest of it. But I'm so impressed with Shadow of Mordor. Um, I just, everyone I talk to about this game, I tell them you have to, you have to try it. Just forget what I'm saying and go try it. And that's what I'm going to tell all you guys listening because it is that good. I really do enjoy it. Yeah, it's awesome. We've sung his praises here on the show a lot. Uh, it would be my number six of the year for sure. Um, Christian, I know you love it as well. It's on your uh, your honorable mentions list. Oh, no, it's uh, it's numero uno. Uh, oh, oh, I forgot. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. I didn't see that. Yes. <laughs> no, that's no problem. At all. I don't No, <laughs> not at all. I can I can sing its further praises now. Um Rob, I won't spoil anything since you're you're not finished with it. Um, people do complain about the end of the game um, and maybe the back quarter of the game, and I I hear those complaints, but I, I think you're wrong. <laughs> I kind of like <laughs> I, I like the approach it takes to it. I think you've done so much awesome stuff that um, I'm perfectly fine with with that type of resolution, and I, I can get into it a little more in 2015 if people want to have a a spoiler cast section about it or why I think it's actually really interesting and cool game design versus a versus a letdown. Um, but yeah, every I I um am comfortable saying I hate Tolkien lore. Um, uh, I read The Hobbit and think it's dumb. Um, I've read the first two You're Lord dumb. of the Rings. <laughs> books watched all the movies very drab very mediocre very no. so many properties have taken those ideas and, and those cores and done them so much better that um there's no need to read them now go read better books um but this game is awesome so i think if you like the lore there's enough of that garbage in it that you'll still appreciate it <laughs> uh <laughs> but even if you hate it and you realize it's horrible um there's still an awesome, awesome game here. So don't let the fact that it's associated with such trash like Tolkien keep you away from playing ah! it. Because um, it's a really, really, really good game. It's really, really fun. You're trash like Tolkien. Right, let, let's no, move wait, on. I just made, you made me say that. Uh, uh-oh. <laughs> and Jeff, uh, real quick, because I don't know if I'll get this quip in later. Are you going for like hipster top five list of the year award? Because what the <laughs> heck, dude? <laughs> Dude, no, I'm going for my favorite games of the year. Come are on. You wearing a, are you wearing I a just fedora? Said Dragon Age Inquisition. Yeah, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Dragon oh, Age Inquisition, how, how the game you. that sold 100,000 copies. The real mainstream hit. Oh, man. Did, would... did it not sell well? I don't think it cracked top 10, which, in, you know, the really? end of that month was kind of low. Yeah, That's a, It's a huge game. It's a big AAA Bioware game, AA game. Almost as big as your fedora. <sighs> All right, what's your number two, Mister? Oh, oh, you. Hmm. Who's a hipster now, hipster? Oh, my number two, Um, Shovel Knight. Awesome! It's so good. It's it's the perfect retro game that's learned from mistakes of actual retro games like Mega Man Two and Mega Man Three, whichever you say is your favorite. Um, You know, two D Super Nintendo era style graphics 
Mega Man-esque, Metroid-esque, um, Guacamelee, also a modern, a current retro-inspired game that is incredible. That's older than this year. And what a surprise, what a treat. I played it on my 3DS and, and couldn't put it down. Um, the right mix of challenge and ease, whereas some Mega Man games are just absolutely punishing. Clever writing, funny, engaging, builds a really cool, you know, little world. This isn't about Dragon Age world building, but paints a really cool picture and, and the parallax effect with like the background moving and faster or slower than the foreground creates some really gorgeous retro inspired backgrounds. And I believe, I don't know if it still is, but it was on sale on Steam as well. If you, um, PC game, I think this game works best on the 3DS or if you have a Wii U playing it on just the tablet controller because it I think on a big screen, it maybe blows up a little weird to see those kind of graphics on your 60-inch TV or whatever. Um, but what a what a treat. I know, Jeff, you fell on a little different side of this than I did. But, uh, man, I was I was charmed, 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 charmed by this game. Would you, you recommend playing it uh, with a microbrew and an artisanal jam uh, and uh, maybe having some your own garden and uh, biking to work? Is that what you biking? What's is that? that? What I mean, recommend? I have I have my fixie. Hamster. I don't know. I don't know what a bike is. I just have my fixie <laughs> my that I take fixie. with me. My fixie. Uh, I just I love the timing of you ripping me from my list right before you bring up <laughs> Shovel Knight. That is my favorite thing. Uh, yeah, no, Shovel Knight's awesome. It is awesome. It did not grab me like Rogue Legacy did last year. Um, and you know, maybe I should have given it more time. I think at the, at the time when we talked about it, I was playing it with a controller that people did not recommend. And everybody said, Oh, you got to play with a PS three controller instead of the Xbox controller. Cause you were playing it with, um, the arrow arrow keys, right? You were playing with the, um, the D pad, weren't you? Christian. Most of the time it makes such a great. Yeah. Hello. 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 Oh, there you are. Yeah. Yeah. D-pad, Nintendo D-pad. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Uh, yeah, did you play this, Rob? Shovel Knight? Yeah, I did. I actually, I'm, I'm I guess, more on your side, Jeff. I, I thought it was really good, but I, I didn't love it. Same way that it didn't catch me like Rogue Legacy. But, funny enough, I actually had it in my, like, underrated games list. And then Spicer, I saw you had it in your top five, so I'm like, nope, and I just backspaced it out. But, uh, yeah, it's definitely <laughs> a really cool game for all the same charming reasons you said it's i do like the retro look and it does blow up weird on a pcs where i played it but it it looks even more uh you know snes that way so it works for me um yeah man okay so number two my number two game of the year is hearthstone and in the same way that uh you know when we were doing march madness last year tetris sort of should just win all the time i kind of feel like if you're talking about a true objective game of the year it's kind of impossible for anyone to pick anything other than hearthstone in my opinion if you're trying to name the game that's going to have the most impact on the world of gaming from 2014 there is nothing that has a bigger footprint going forward there is nothing that will be an institution 10 years from now than hearthstone the Hearthstone is the biggest release of 2014, I think, objectively. Now, subjectively, it's my number two of the year, but it, <laughs> it, kind of, it kind of hovers above all the other games just because 
also, I think I put it on my list last year because it was in beta and I was playing a crap ton of it last year. And I think I cheated and put out, had the beta as my, one of my top games of the year. Uh, but it did officially come out this year. A, an expansion goblets and, um, gnomes came out this year as well. It is a massive hit with millions of players. It is, uh, I think, think a cultural phenomenon i don't know how you don't pick hearthstone as being a uh, a game of the year unless you are uh, you know you know picking shovel knight as your number two um rob are you uh, are you a hearthstoner yeah i, I, I right love it i was by the way. yeah <laughs> i i'm not it's funny i'm not usually into like digital card games that much but that one nick really was a big success for me and i really it's, it's exactly. super addictive that's exactly um, it it's it, because people <laughs> that aren't usually into digital card that's why that's why it hovers above all lists because it's it, true it, it, it's it's beyond its genre it transcends its genre it introduced its genre to a whole group of people but i'll let you finish go ahead no, I, I mean, everything you're saying is totally true. It's like, well, think of all the amazing things Blizzard did for like their, their big pillar PC games back in the day. Now they're doing that on like mobile devices. And well, I played on PC, but like I played it on iPad as well. And it's, it is really awesome. It's gorgeous. It's fun. It's so easy to pick up and I can easily show it to anyone for the same reasons I was saying. But, uh, what, what about Flappy Bird guys? There's no love for that. That was the top trending game of the year. No love for Flappy Bird. No, no love for Flappy Bird. Uh, <laughs> what about ten million clones? <laughs> in a word, in a word, no. Um, yeah. I don't think there's any human. Well, you know, it, it could have been. We could have talked about it as sort of one of those trends. I think that yeah, this it really introduced to the mainstream to the quote unquote casual gamer this hardcore trend. Right? It was it was to casual gaming what Dark Souls is to uh to hardcore gaming it it was it was introducing this kind of frustrating skill-based thing to an accessible audience that wouldn't normally be into that kind of thing uh so in that sense kind of a big deal but no i'm not putting it on my list all right jeff quick question do you still play hearthstone now like did it does it keep you or it's just like every once in a while you play it Oh, no, it's it definitely has kept me. I play it less. I, I used to play it uh, f- daily. I now play it less daily only because I'm playing WoW daily. So, uh, uh, fair. you know, it's kind of Blizzard. Blizzard, you know, usurps its own products in weird ways. <laughs> and there's only room for one addiction at a time. But, you yeah, know, I still dip back into it when when Gnomes and Goblins came out. I, I you know, hop back in and got my free packs. And it's just it's sublime it is it is as close to perfect as a game can be in my opinion it, it is it is nearly perfect mm-hmm. but uh i will i will now switch over to mr bah humbug and he'll explain to me why hearthstone doesn't belong on my list christian spicer it belongs on your list it just doesn't belong <laughs> on my list it's a, I, I tried it. it it got me to try a ccg um I realized that much like a fighting game, I would need to spend way too much time, uh, more time than I was willing to spend, I should say, learning the ins and outs and the intricacies of each deck. While it is more streamlined than, say, magic, it still requires spending some serious time with it to figure out how you want to main or create your deck. And um, I also think the monetization in it, while better than other free-to-play games or get 
games on <laughs> on the Apple's uh, App Store. Um, and I know CCGs in general involve that aspect of buying decks and filling out your decks. That's not my style of game. And I don't want to sit there and think that the person I'm playing um, is beating me because they spend money on it. But it's very well made. And I think if you like that type of game, you'll like it. And I think because it's on the most popular gaming consoles around, i.e. all of them, it will get people to try a genre that they otherwise wouldn't try because downloading a free game on your iPhone or iPad or Android is much easier than going into your neighborhood board game or comic book shop and plunking down magic on the counter. Yeah. All right. Uh, we have arrived, guys. We have arrived at the number one, your personal number one game of the year. We already know Christians because I ruined it. <laughs> uh, Rob, what is your okay. number one game of the year? This is going to be a little controversial, and I got to preface this by saying I heard you guys talk about this game, maybe not talk, talk, argue about this game, and I remember tweeting to you, Jeff, saying, "Dude, I feel your pain because everything you complained about this game is a hundred percent true." And I wrote as much in my review, but my number one game of the year is Destiny. Uh, and I know you guys have problems or Jeff, I guess you more yes. so than Christian. <laughs> and I have those same problems. However, the upsides to this game have kept me playing this every day or two since it came out. And it is the game that's talked about most that people come to our website wanting to hear most about and discuss with others most about. It is the game that my friends and my crew want to play the most and group together with. I'm talking about Destiny's like six man raids, which are some of the best shooting co-op stuff ever on a console um, for all of its flaws and it's I would say non-existent story literal lack of characters anywhere to be found in the game it makes up for in its co-op gameplay and its shooting mechanics the best movement and shooting mechanics of any shooter I have ever played on consoles um, and you couple that with with a what at first was a very punishing loot system has now become a very addictive. And when you get that gear or that weapon you've been waiting for, it is so rewarding, more rewarding than any other game that has in-game loot. Um, it, it's They've really made an addictive formula. And that's why, you know, has and, uh, you know, people lining up on those weekly resets to get gear again for the next week. It is... Uh, uh, it's such a weird anomaly that a game is a game that makes me want to play. Uh, so it is the game I put in the most hours to in the latter half of this year. So I have to say, despite its problems and despite it being, in my opinion, a 7 out of 10 game at launch, it is still my number one game of 2014. Fight. <laughs> wow. That's crazy. A 7 out of 10 game at launch that is your number one game of 2014. That's quite a statement. That's quite yeah. a statement. And I think it speaks to one of those big trends that we talked about. Games that aren't what they're going to be when they launch. You know, like this game at launch was, is you know, even just this this quickly after launch, it's already different you know adding in this this content that has already been added in the tweaks that they've made to the yeah. system maybe i deserve to revisit it uh, you know what and, and Jeff, i do yeah i just want to chime in and, and, and i'm reading in the chat right now same thing people like give it a shot because everyone hears about destiny and wants to give it a shot but when you try it, you're like this isn't that great these missions are kind of whatever ordinary and these basic strikes are kind of cool but once you play it you can leave it but I hate to say it, but all this nonsense about the game really beginning at the end, like playing any traditional MMO, 
is really, really true in this game. Like you got to be max level, max gear. And that's when you actually get the most rewarding experience. That's when you play the weekly events, the raids and the big, the big high level strikes and get that gear. That's the only time it becomes amazing. The first part of it is just an awful grind. So I hate to say it, but you really do need to invest hours of sort of crappy time just to get to the awesome stuff. But it's rewarding when you do get there. Yeah, you know, I, I have this down listed as as my most one of my most disappointing games of 2014. Um, as, and we'll get to that topic a little later. But that doesn't mean I didn't like it. You know, I I, I have been vocal with my disappointment in, with the game. But I also had a lot of fun. I had a ton of fun on that first beta weekend. And I came on this game and uh, in this game on this show and um, and spoke very highly of that, that f- those first eight hours I spent first eight levels or whatever it was. Uh, and some of the most thrilling, fun firefights in co-op that I had. I truly loved that experience. I just wanted the game to value my time more than it seems to have and i also wanted i wanted it to to be more than just that little taste indicated i wanted to have a more vibrant interesting world i wanted there to be uh more to do more different things to do and less grindy less grindy feeling now i'm a complete hypocrite because i grind in a whole lot of other games uh and do the same thing over and over in a whole lot of other games it's just this particular thing graded on me uh, after a while and i do owe it a revisit with all of the updates that have happened so you know take take my opinion with a grain of salt it clearly is your favorite experience of the year and it's a lot of people's favorite experience of the year christian it didn't make your list but you were definitely in the camp of proponent so how come it didn't make yeah it uh it didn't make my top five. It's it's top ten for sure. Um, I I wish the game had a was a little more soloable, and I wish that it had matchmaking for raids because of the when I game usually very late at night. Um, I find I just got left behind from my peers that were playing it, and I'm I'm low level and haven't had the opportunity to play with people that I typically would play this game with. Um, you know, at the same time as them. And so that experience has kept it a little further off my list, but I think it's wonderful and beautiful. And like Rob said, the controls for a console shooter are are so spot on something that Bungie just knows how to do. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, for sure. The controls are excellent. I'm telling you guys, if you guys, and I agree, Spicer, the big problem for me, and especially in the first month or two was the lack of matchmaking for the raid. But Unfortunately, the reality is you do have to use those third-party websites. And there are some really, really good ones out there. DestinyLFG.net is the one that I think most people use. And I use that to play with strangers. And i never seen a game pull together six randoms and force them to use like voice chat. And you know everyone makes that joke when you play Call of Duty and you have kids screaming profanity at you. This is the game that gets people working together like no other game. And a shooter, of all things. And... The puzzle stuff in the raid, I promise both of you guys, I'm saying it now, make, making my statement, if you guys do the raid, get to whatever level you need to be, 26, 27, to try the first raid, and you two play together with four others or just find five others online and do that once and they walk you through it, I promise you, both of you will be just blown away by how awesome that raid is. And that alone can form a whole new genre of like co-op shooters going forward. Like That's where Destiny hits a home run. 
And unfortunately, it's funny hearing Jeff, you talk about loving the beta. I didn't like the beta. And like Kristen, you talking about the single player stuff. I hated the single player stuff. And it's like the stuff I think is so amazing. You guys haven't even seen yet. So I promise you one day mm. if you get to that raid stuff, you will love that part of the game. And, it, and hopefully it'll make up for the, the downfalls it does have. You're making me want to play it. Let's do it, man. Let's do it. <sighs> See, not enough time. Not enough time. Yeah. Um, okay, Christian, your your number one game, as we we heard, was Shadow of Mordor. Do you want to revisit this briefly and tell me why it was it it beat out all other games uh, in in your for your year? It worked when it came out. The story was engrossing and compelling enough to keep you playing. The Nemesis system um, tricked you much like Portal and Portal 2 tricks you into thinking you're the smartest person in the room and figuring out a way, oh my gosh, you hacked the game. I, I totally snuck out of this room. Really, you just found the only way out of the room. The Nemesis system tricks you into thinking that you're playing a story tailored just for you and this is so incredible and it gets you feeling revenge and anger and hate towards non-playable boss characters. Um, the environment is is beautiful. The the two lands in which you play are are diverse. Um, the controls are spot on. The combat is fluid, and it doesn't overstay its welcome, which for me is um, very important in gaming. And um, yeah, I was blown away. It's it's really great. A solid choice for sure. Um, my number one game, uh, surprising no one, I guess, because I've been saying it all year long uh divinity original sin this was a game that i feel like was made for me and i uh, adore it with every part of my being uh it is a top-down role-playing game with a turn-based strategy combat system it is uh, beautiful uh, the graphics are, i think are fantastic i love i love that isometric view it it in evokes a feeling from my youth that i had with my favorite games like ultima uh it is um it asks the 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 player to think and consider and invest in the in the storyline and unravel mysteries and it has tons of surprises and secrets to to discover uh it's got a robust interesting world and the combat system is perfect it is so rad it, it it really rewards ingenuity there's tons of strategy involved it's got cool environmental and uh, elemental effects that you can utilize during the uh, during the fights to to change the flow of the fight it is challenging it is interesting it is my favorite game of the year by far and uh I hope more people give it a shot uh, in the coming year. I want, I'm hoping that uh, since it's so moddable, there'll be tons of, of user created levels that we can play with that game engine. Uh, word on the street is those, the designers are working on another game at the same engine. Couldn't be more excited. I love divinity and original sin and it is my favorite game of 2014. Rob, did you play it? I haven't no, but I've been following it because like all, all the things you said you loved about this game, I, same thing for me. It does evoke that feeling of nostalgia, but I feel like I have been playing a lot of these isometric, uh, you know, these old sword, sword and sandals RPG type games. And it's like, unfortunately, this is just one of the ones that got lost in the shuffle for me because I was always thinking about other things or caught up with a game I will talk about later, Diablo 3. But um, yeah, no, I think what you said about hoping it gets some, some love next year, I think this is one of the games on my list of five like I need to play in the first month of 2015 for sure. 
Yeah, it's great. I, I mean, I love it. You know, some I, I have a ongoing debate with Garnett Lee about uh, about it. He he did not find the love, and I'm sure others won't as well. But it certainly deserves a a chance because it certainly got its hooks in me, and I I adore it. Um, okay, let's uh, let's talk some honorable mentions, the stuff that didn't make your list, uh, and maybe some of these other other topics. Uh, Rob, you have any other games you want to throw into the mix? What is uh, maybe an underrated game or a surprise that you want to talk about? Sure. Uh, well, I was going to say, I mean, this one made my list, but underrated, I was going to say Stick of Truth, because I think that is very spectacular. But the one I'll highlight instead is, is Super Time Force, um, which mm. is a game that adds a very cool mechanic with a very classic old school Contra like gameplay. And I'm sure you guys have seen the, the gameplay videos and they even made a fun, like uh spinoff game for the expendables for free. You could download, download on steam called expended bro is very similar style game, but super time force is very cool. If you haven't played it, it's like a side scrolling shooter that lets you manipulate time with multiple versions of your own character or other unlockable characters you pick up along the way. And they each have different weapons and sort of like abilities. And it's very, very cool and quirky. And it goes a little over the top with its like try is elite speech humor. Um, it's Twitter speak type of comedy, but uh, overall it's a very friggin' cool game. And one they've are, are really capitalizing on now with re-releases and re-releases and they're building, I think a Vita version they announced recently uh, with the playable boss of Sony. So that's, it's an awesome game. If you haven't tried it, if you know anything about Contra and just really want a cool, innovative game, this one is very interesting. I've never had so much fun fighting side, you know, like a side-scrolling shooter boss as I have in this game where you see like 30 versions of yourself. And when you complete the level, you get to watch it all happen in real time. And it's just craziness. Uh, and there's nothing like it. So it's a very, very cool game. You can pick it up for the cheap. So I would, it's a high recommended fun, fun game to play. That's Super Time Force. Yeah, very, very fun game. I had a good time with it this year as well uh, on Xbox One. I think is where I played it. Um, I'd love the chat room to throw out their games of the year. If you haven't heard us mention anything, uh, I'll say my biggest surprise this year was how much I fell in love with Dark Souls 2. That is a game that really could have made my top five. Uh, it, it barely did not. It would certainly make a top 10 for me. Um, and it was my biggest surprise, probably a very small surprise for most people. And most people who played Dark Souls 2, probably it was no surprise. They knew they were going to like it and they knew what it was going to offer. And and uh, I think a lot of people thought it wasn't quite as good as the first Dark Souls, at least uh, aficionados of, of that series maybe felt that way. But for me, it was my first experience into Dark Souls or Demon Souls and it was a surprise because I was pretty certain it would not be a series for me. And because I fell in love with it, because I had such a great time with it, playing in co-op, being the Padawan learner to my Jedi master who brought me through that game and told me all the fun secrets to find and trained me in in using the combat system to its most effective way, uh, in, in, you know, in the most effective way. I just had a great time and I didn't think that there was fun underneath all that frustration. And there really wasn't that much frustration. It's a game that I think gets a bad rap uh, from people like me because I, you know, I had I just dabbled in the first Dark Souls and went down the wrong direction and got my butt kicked and just didn't have any fun and sort of bought into the hype of it being this punishing game. It's really not. And certainly Dark Souls 2 isn't, which is, I think, from all accounts, uh, less, even more forgiving than than the first. But man, 
if you haven't tried it, if you've stayed away from the game because of of the reputation that it garnered, I wrote an entire article, a really long article for the Gamers with Jobs uh, magazine this year about my experience uh, with Dark Souls 2. I urge you to, to read that. I'm pretty proud of it. It's all about my misconceptions and how playing the game cleared that up and and the journey that I went through in discovering the love for that game. Um, but yeah, it's certainly my biggest surprise of 2014. Nice. Um, I'm with you. I'm with you on that one. By the way, I Dark Souls two. Dark Souls two was the more forgiving. It was an entry point for me as well because I couldn't get into Dark Souls, but uh, it hooked me. I think the same way it did for you. John Reardon, uh, I guess in the uh, in the chat says League of Legends continues to be his game of the year because it's continually updating and they keep uh, Riot keeps adding new stuff. Uh, certainly, I understand the love for League of Legends. It's massive. Uh, I happened to get into Heroes of the Storm this year and got into MOBAs in a big way through that game. But yeah, uh, I think that's viable, even though it really wasn't released this year. I, I guess it's updated so often that you kind of have to figure it's ongoing every year. Uh, Christian, what about you? Do you got a an honorable mention or a surprise or an underrated game you want to bring up? Yeah. So, um, I mean, I have all of the above. I'm trying to see something we haven't covered yet. Maybe, um, underrated, um, Lego Batman three, um, Lego Marvel superheroes. I thought was incredible. Um, if you stayed away from that because you don't like Marvel or whatever, or you've, you know, a lot of Lego games come out. Um, I like, Batman. I like the DC property and Lego Batman three is, you know, not necessarily even more of the same. It's a, they're slowly refining. And I think each Lego game is often the best. And I think Lego Batman three is better than Marvel superheroes and Marvel superheroes was incredible. Um, and people don't really talk about it because these games just kind of come out and then go away and they come out on everything and go and you know really it's it's a great unwind game i also think that our whole chat though just further uh confirms my point that it's about favorites because how many times today have one of us been talking about a game saying look if you didn't play this game you got it no 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 look dark soul okay look divinity is great you just gotta the ice it's awesome okay just wait till you get the raid no 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 counter spy it's beautiful just (laughs) give it a shot there's so much out there there's so much but out that's there. That's what everything is. That's what it all is. It's all favorites. It's all just talking about things that you loved this year. And, and I think that's understood. It doesn't have to be. It's like, yeah, it's it's the game of the year for 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 you, for us, for whatever. Um, yeah. And of course it's favorites. Now we agree on everything. Great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, some people in the chat room. Uh, Pastor M. Titus wants to mention Valiant Hearts. Uh, that's a game that Christian hated because he doesn't like. Uh, he thinks the World War One was a was a bad war and and that uh, no one was a hero that participated in it i think i have I, your position correct right christian as long as you agree that tolkien sucks i'll take that position sure um <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have let's see we got more more people weighing in uh we got uh, acornejo says shadow of mordor is his favorite game of the year uh, maximilian wants republic to get some uh, honorable mention i did not play any more of republic after the very first one last year the very first episode so i i can't really weigh in there um I will also mention the fact that, uh, and I think Rob, you'll have my back here. Uh, the 
what Blizzard managed to do this year with two giant expansions, uh, the first being the Diablo Reaper, uh, Diablo three Reaper of souls expansion, completely revitalizing that game, making it yeah. awesome, pulling me back in for another hundred hours of gaming, uh, just taking a game that had had really frizz, uh, fizzled a little bit with its community and just inserting a huge surge of excitement and fun, making the items important again, making it really exciting when you loot something that lets you break a rule in a really cool way. Yeah, uh, I know you dug that game this year. Oh, dude, yeah, and the, they made the crafting like worthwhile, which is like so hard to get right in those type of games. But man, I would just I wanted to bring this one up specifically because the Ultimate Evil Edition re-release on like PS4 and Xbox One, like totally brought me back into the game. I mean, they had already proved that Diablo Three works well on consoles, but uh, you know with the Xbox 360 and PS3 versions. But when they re-released it on PS4, it made it look that much better. It's funny. Two weeks ago, I had my friends come over, and we all went through that painful process of like linking our Xbox to like our blizzard account to our ps4 account and then moving our individual save files over to ps4 and they're all coming over tomorrow we have like a 12 hour day planned to play diablo 3 on ps4 all day uh you're totally right it it brought me back in because i kind of gave up on the ps on the pc version it only kept me through until act three i was just so unimpressed with it and the auction house really rubbed me the wrong way but um this is now amazing. They did such a good job of revitalizing it, like you said. Um, oh, one, one other game. Kipper and Chat mentioned Insurgency, the Steam Greenlight game. Have you guys ever mm-hmm. played that? Yeah. Yeah, it was uh, on no. Humble Bundle uh, two months ago, and it was really cheap, and you got a couple of copies of it. But that game is awesome. It's a, like a hardcore shooter. It's like a blend of, I guess I would say, Counter-Strike and Battlefield, because it's like bigger, and there's more objective-based things. But it's like Counter-Strike in that. If you get hit once, you're pretty much down and out and it, it supports user creations like maps and modes fantastic freaking game on steam if you haven't tried that out that's another honorable mention by me um uh, just a, a couple of down notes for me this year uh, a sunset overdrive was a big uh, a big swing and a miss i felt like it was a big disappointment i really thought it was going to be something i'd love I, I see several people in the chat room saying it's one of their favorites of the year it certainly probably worked for others for me it didn't um, I'm surprised how few people are talking about Titanfall at this point in the year and how few people are talking about watchdogs at this point in the year. Um, I think those are all sort of games that made a tiny blip instead of a big blip. Um, so it's surprising to me. Yeah. Um, anything else you want to bring up, Christian, any other, uh, points you want to make about the year? Mario Kart eight is great. Um, I know I mentioned it a little bit when Rob brought up Smash. Also, great. Um, Metal Gear Solid Ground Zeroes I thought was phenomenal. It was short and brief. Um, the end, yeah, there's some, you know, questionable Metal Gear humor in it. I'll say humor with a, not even a wink, it's more with like a grimaced, um, tight feeling in my stomach. Um, but the gameplay, that open world or open map, the graphics were beautiful. I'm really excited for Metal Gear Solid 5. I think people should talk about that a little bit more. And then one of my bigger disappointments is Disney Infinity 2.0 Marvel Heroes. I thought yeah. the first Disney Infinity did a lot right um, with each kind of world being different and what, whatever, whatnot, whatnot. And uh, Marvel Superheroes, aside from the IP, I think was a giant step back for that franchise. So I found that unfortunate. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. Disney Infinity 2.0 spoke to me 
in all the wrong ways. It was less content in the first one, and I think they've misused that property and just kind of sold it on the toys alone. And they are cool toys, but man, the gameplay is not good. And you got so little value for the for the the price of those things. And it speaks to my other point I was trying to hint at earlier when we were talking about infamous Second Son. Like, where are <laughs> it bothers me so much that there are not great Marvel games that are taking advantage of the insane amount of awesome lore and story and characters and powers and all these cool gameplay mechanics they could build from. And instead we get Disney Infinity 2.0, which was so shallow and short. Um, massive disappointment for me this year. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's finish things off. I got to wrap things up here. I think that's a pretty awesome uh, overview of 2014. It was a, it was a great year. What did you guys think overall as far as uh, games this year? Do you think it's, um, was a was a big year, good year, or do you think there was uh, not enough great stuff? What's your what's your take, Rob? Uh good question. I, I think it really felt like a transition year, like a growing pains year. And I think I think next year we're going to get more bigger titles and like better like sequel type games. And I think that's going to be coupled with more tech, like maybe your first consumer release of something virtual reality, and hopefully. I'm really hoping for new like user interfaces for the for the consoles, especially for the Xbox One, because it still bothers me uh, that interface. So I think next year could be really potentially awesome with all these games being delayed, hopefully for the right reasons, and hopefully that everyone capitalizes on that. And then I'm hoping we get some more cool hardware upgrades too. So uh, this year was just kind of like okay for me, but I think it's just kind of like making everyone it's setting up up for next year even. Mm-hmm. Um, I I have to say that uh, as far as this year, one of the biggest surprises for me is that my top five has only one console game in it. I thought for sure this year would be the coming uh, the the real arrival of these next gen consoles or current gen consoles. Uh, the uh, the consoles that I was so excited about getting at the end of last year, I thought at the end of this year we'd finally see them come into their own. And really, this was a, ge- a year for me all about uh, all about PC gaming for the most part. And um, I, I, that's not necessarily a bad thing because I had some great experiences on the PC, but it certainly was a surprising thing. Uh, Christian, yeah. what's your take on 2014? Yeah, I mean, for me, it's that most of my games and my top five lift are only playable on vinyl. But like, other than that, <laughs> that I solid. definitely I think, think was- my list... If if you're looking at if you want a more proof that it was a hipster list, I think mine has the lowest barrier to entry monetarily. I think you can get my entire list for the price of half of your guys' list. <laughs> but that's that's uh, you know wasn't intentional. It just happened. All right. Aside ahead, from building a, a PC, I think it was a great year for games. I, I look back at you know the PlayStation 3's first year and the Xbox 360's first year of games, and you know arguably they might have had some bigger hits or more memorable games. Um, you know, I got another prettier version of The Last of Us. I got Last of Us DLC. I got Shadow of Mordor. Um, all the games we didn't have time to mention that would round out your 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 top uh, 10. And I think anyone complaining about 2014 is, is nitpicking. They're looking for things to be snarky about and, and to try to chop it down a peg. Is 2015 going to be awesome? It sure looks like it. Um, but 2014 was great. It was a great year for games, great year for gaming in general. Twitch brought gaming to more people. Um, and there were awesome, awesome games to be played as represented by our top five lists. 
um, sharing so few games in common. And I think that shows that there were yeah, a number true. of incredible games that none of us had time to play all of. True. Yeah. Great point. Great point. Uh, all right. Well, let's wrap things up. I, I wouldn't, it wouldn't be an episode of DLC without a little tabletop time. So I wanted to mention some of the, my favorite board gaming experiences of 2014, even more than, than video gaming. It's hard to pick a, a game of the year for 2014 in board games because so many games came out that you just poss- can't possibly play because you can't get your hands on them. They have small print runs and you have to get a copy. But I actually did get uh, my hands on a lot of the biggest games of 2014, uh, including Dead of Winter, Marvel Dice Masters, Splendor, Istanbul, King of New York, Star Realms. These are all excellent games that I played in uh, 2014. My favorite board game of the year is uh, Evolution. It's a game that I talked about uh, recently. Uh, I just was I'm so enamored with it. I've played it a bunch of times since I got it. It's so simple to teach. It's such a great theme and all the gameplay elements reinforce the theme cool card play you feel awesome when you're evolving your creatures and you're attacking other players lots of player interaction uh just great concepts that all are easily teachable so while all of the games that i mentioned are real strong candidates for my for my game of 2014 i think evolution has to take it uh dinner winter was great marvel dice masters is great splendor is great these are great great games uh also want to mention uh dnd fifth edition came out in 2014 which is gigantic um and and I've had a ton of fun learning and playing D and D Fifth Edition this year as well. Uh, that's a banner year. It's a that's a major major release, and it's going to be a a platform that's going to exist for several years. Uh, and I think it it really revitalized D and D for a lot of people in in really compelling ways. It made the game more accessible. It built in incentives to role play. It got rid of a lot of the sort of video game elements of fourth edition and brought it back to its roots of, of real role playing of real storytelling of real, um, of improvisation and thinking outside the box and not just sort of using your little tablet of skills in front of you, uh, that fourth edition seemed to favor. So, uh, I highly recommend people trying that. It's a really exciting time for, for, uh, board games and tabletop games of all types. And we're going to continue to cover them into 2015. A uh, bunch of games I didn't play this year that, uh, people are talking about, uh, Deus, which is getting a lot of love, five tribes, Imperial settlers, myth, and the Spiel des Jahres winner this year, Camel Up, which I've heard good things about as well. Uh, those are all games I didn't get a chance to try, as, along with a heck of a lot of others. But uh, hopefully next year we'll bring uh, more opportunity to, to play those. I have a lot of fun uh, holiday gaming, uh, tabletop gaming experiences to share with you guys and then in the coming weeks. And uh, we'll, we'll be talking more tabletop games um, in 2015 as well. Uh, thank you so much, Rob, for joining us for this special end of year episode. It was really awesome. You were great. Thanks a lot for being here. It's an honor, guys. Thank you so much. And by the way, Jeff, congrats on the wedding. I saw your pictures from months ago. Beautiful. It looked like a dream come true. And uh, Spicer, oh, congrats. Your baby looks beautiful. Uh, I saw the pictures as well. So I never get a chance to talk to you guys. So it was great being on here. Oh, thanks, Rob. That's very, very kind of you to say. We'd love to have you back on a, on a regular episode. Uh, until cool. then, when can, what can people, uh, how can they check out your stuff? Yeah, man. So uh, if you're into movies and TV, which I'm sure you guys are, head to ScreenRant.com. That's our big movie TV site. And of course, if you like video games and tech and stuff like this, uh, head to GameRant.com and you can follow me at Twitter. It's at Rob underscore Keys. That's K-E-Y-E-S. Awesome. Uh, how about you, Christian? What's going on for you at the end of this year? Um, 
I have some awesome bonus content locked down for the album I recorded at the very uh, end of November. It should be coming out early 2015. All systems look to be go for that. I'm super excited. I found some some old sets and, and, and some stuff that I'm putting together as, you know, bonus tracks at the end. That's coming along, but something to look forward to. Does it have a title yet? It does. It does. It is, um, it is called Moment in Time because it is capturing Ooh. one show uh, and i'm trying to make it feel like you were there so there might be a hiccup there might be a joke you don't like and um it's one show recorded live awesome very yeah so that's that's coming out i can't wait for that yeah what about you jeff what's popping uh we've got more uh we have concerns over at we have concerns.com we were just named one of itunes top uh, podcast of 2014. Pretty proud of that. So hope you guys check out We Have Concerns at wehaveconcerns.com uh, and the Slash Filmcast. We just did a an episode similar to this for movies over at uh, the Slash Filmcast at slashfilmcast.com. You can hear us talking about our favorites for 2014 over there. Uh, it should be coming out in the next few days. And I uh, hope you guys check that out. I have to thank everybody involved in this show, uh, all the guests that we've had in 2014. It's been a really fun year. This is the year we launched DLC. I have to thank Zach Holder. I have to thank Dan Benjamin, Hattie Cook, all the folks at 5x5 for helping us out, making the show possible. Uh, it, it, it's it been a blast. Thank you, Christian, for being here uh, and to being uh, being the lifeblood of this show. Um, it's it's been a blast and i want to thank every single one of you guys that has listened to the show that has rated us on itunes that has uh recommended the show to a friend uh it is because of you that we get to do this and we are having a blast and we're excited about next year next week's episode is actually going to be our one year anniversary so christian and i are going to be uh i think we're just going to do it solo like we did for the first episode just the two of us and uh we'll uh we'll make some bold predictions for 2015 We'll have uh, a look back at our our year, our first year of DLC, and uh, maybe some uh, some other fun surprises and stuff in store. So don't forget to check that out. It'll be live uh, streaming Monday, next Monday, 11 a.m. Pacific time, uh, and always at uh, 5x5.tv slash DLC. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place. 